This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. So, this is the one where Xander leaves Anya at the altar. So, okay, which means today we're talking about Hell's Bells. Um, Okay, I'm going to read to you from Nikki Stafford's episode guide entitled Bite Me. So her episode summary leaves a bit to be desired, but this is what she says. On the day of Anya and Xander's wedding, Xander gets a visit from a future version of himself who begs him not to go through with it. So it's not actually him from the future. It is um, a demon disguising himself as a future version of Xander. And he has a little orb of Thessala. (laughs) I mean, it's not an orb of Thessala, but it's just like, you know, a little, it looks like a little... smoky quartz crystal ball which is what I have that I call my orb of Thessala (laughs) um previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer an orb of Thessala is that thing that Jenny Callender um used to contain Angel's soul temporarily so they could so she could re-ensoul him with it whatever anyway um that's what it looks like it looks like an orb of Thessala. It looks like my particular orb of Thessala. The actual orb of Thessala was more like a rose quartz or something. Anyway, not important. But so this guy shows up at the wedding um, and he makes Xander look into the crystal and Xander sees a his like panic horror version of what his future with Anya might be like. And these are thoughts and fears that he has had because of his, um, upbringing with his parents. Um, so I'm going to read some of the stuff that Nikki Stafford says that I highlighted. Halfrick had placed doubt in Anya's. Okay, hold on. Let me just read this first little paragraph. Maybe if the ongoing pandemonium of Anya and Xander's marriage plans were any indication, this wedding was destined to be bumpy. In Double Meat Palace, Halfrick had placed doubt in Anya's mind about her relationship with Xander, and for the first time, Anya realized that Xander didn't show respect for her in public, often correcting her in front of others. So that's an important point, because that definitely happened. That conversation between Halfrick and Anya was actually a supportive friend conversation, you know, um, that was from a few episodes ago. Um, okay. And then another part that I highlighted, Anya's friends are all demons of one sort or another, but as the day goes on, he discovers it's Xander's family. We discover it's Xander's family who are the monsters. We've heard so many stories about his family and background, usually shrouded in one of Xander's jokes, but now we see the devastating consequences they have on his emotional state. So I think that's an important thing to point out. Like, I think that this episode needed to happen exactly as it did. Pretty much. Um, The only thing is that Xander should have been more truthful with Anya and himself. And he should have, I mean, from the very beginning, he asked her to marry him when he thought they were all going to die at the end of the last season. 
He wanted to calm her down because she was freaking out and he did love her a lot and it was a gesture that he did feel in the moment but he shouldn't have asked and Anya should have paid attention to her instincts whenever throughout the entire summer and then for a month or two after that he still didn't want to tell anyone that they were engaged so she should have paid attention to her own instincts surrounding that so I mean anyway in the past when I've seen this episode I was just so devastated that you know they didn't get married and it made me really sad and I used to cry every time I watched this episode and most of the time whenever I you know get prepared for this podcast, I watched the episode twice. Once with my mom on Thursday nights, and then once again on the day that I'm recording for the podcast. Um, but, and both of those times, I did not cry. You know, it's, it's weird, because for the most part, particularly episodes in season six of Buffy that are devastating, which is a lot of them, I the repeated viewings of devastated emotional stuff on Buffy, usually I cry harder every time I see it. It's like, it's like, I know it's coming. I know it's going to be sad and it wrecks me worse every time I see it. But that is not the case with this episode for some weird reason I did not have an emotional reaction. I just thought, you know, they're both better off, honestly. Anya's gonna, her character is gonna get pretty interesting, actually, in the last season of Buffy. Because we get to see her have an arc wherein she chooses to become a vengeance demon again. But then she really horrifies herself, like her heart really isn't in that job anymore. And she doesn't want to be that person anymore. So she makes a decision to stop being a vengeance demon for herself. She's not doing it to get back together with Xander. Although they kind of take solace in each other towards, you know, the end of the season, next season. And, you know, they somewhat make up. They're not really in a relationship again, but... Um, but she, you know, comes into herself. She becomes her own person. She's not defined by Xander anymore. So her, her, her humanity so far has been defined by her relationship with Xander. And she didn't become a human on her own terms. It happened to her. So this is the best thing for her character. And it's the best thing for Xander, too, just because, like, like first of all, he's a total jerk face asshole for not speaking up about this way before fucking now, but at least he did it, you know? Um, and yeah, like that demon was showing them something that wasn't real in order to sabotage Anya's life. He did that specifically to sabotage Anya's life, but Xander needed to do this. So this needed to happen. Everything happened the way that it should because he didn't speak up months ago whenever he needed to. 
and Anya ignored her instincts whenever he, whenever she flat out said to him, the only reason why you're proposing to me right now is because you think we're going to die. Like that was her initial reaction to him proposing to her. She slapped him. Do you remember that? She was right this entire time. So I guess my rea- my lack of emotional reaction to this episode that I thought was going to be devastating to me is related to just the fact that this is a thing that's needed to happen and now it's happening. So here it is. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird because like I've just been crying so much watching this season of Buffy and I will probably... Oh God, the next episode, it's possible that I won't cry during the next episode because I will just be so infuriated because I used to think, whatever, I'll save that for next week because we're not talking about normal again yet, but that's the episode we're going to be talking about next week. Okay, let's get into my notes, shall we? My first note is, ha, they're talking about the dress because the episode begins with, Willow and Buffy are looking at themselves. I think you don't know at first that they're looking at themselves in the mirror because it's a closer up shot and they're going, Oh my God, it's awful. It's evil. It's hideous. Ugh. And you think that they're talking about like a demon or something, but it turns out they're talking about the bridesmaid dresses. They are somewhat bad, but they're really not that bad. They're like, emerald green they're sort of misshapen in the midsection and they have these like senorita ruffles at the bottom like if they were just a little bit more fitted in the waist and didn't have like some of them had really ugly sleeves like willows and Terra's had these like really ugly weird scallopy mermaid fin I don't know what's happening with the sleeves. They are kind of hideous, but they didn't put Buffy in the hideous sleeves. They put her in cute sleeves. And they had sort of a a badly placed bow, I guess, or like rose looking bow thing on them. I guess these bridesmaid dresses are actually kind of perfect because they are a little bit hideous, but they're not so hideous that you can't even believe that someone would have picked them. Like, it's believable to me that Anya picked these as her bridesmaid dresses. Like, why not? <laughs> I mean, the color seems a little like, why that color? I don't know, but um, doesn't matter. I guess, I guess they did. Whoever was the costume designer for these, for these somewhat hideous bridesmaid dresses, they did a good job because they did kind of like perfectly balance the line between yeah they're kind of hideous but they're not like over the top hideous you know um so that was nice uh let's see i'm just gonna put my notes in my lap so i don't have to... i'm just gonna lean back guys we're just having a casual conversation here um i did like buffy's hair in this episode though she had obviously like this giant like fake bun in her hair because you know her hair's like shoulder length right now so um it's obviously fake hair but she's got this giant bun in the back of her hair and then she's got this really big like peony or something giant rose white flower in her hair like a fucking jazz singer so it's pretty cute 
hair was good in this episode. Um, I don't know why they didn't do something cute with Willow's hair, you know, and Tara's like whoever was on hair for this episode was probably sad that she didn't get to do more with her skills, you know, because Buffy was the only one that really had cool hair in this episode. Um, and you know, weddings are a time in which people get their hair did, you know, I mean, Anya's hair looked good, but anyway, um, Anya's really happy. She thinks they look beautiful in their bridesmaid dresses and she hugs them and she's crying and she tells them that they're beautiful and it's sweet. Um, one, like my biggest nitpick with this entire episode is that I get that they need to paint the picture that Xander's family is terrible and Xander doesn't want to become them. But I feel like it's possible that they could have done it without it being so one note and so ham fisted. Um, I did like that, like Xander's uncle Rory and his dad were two separate characters. Like his uncle Rory seemed like a, a believable kind of, kind of crappy uncle that you still would love, you know, he seemed like a believable human being, but his dad, I don't know if it was the actor's fault or probably it was the writing more than anything, I would assume, because they just didn't give that guy anything to do except be an unrepentant asshole, a drunken, unrepentant asshole. Like, I just, I don't know. I just didn't like it. Like we could still, you know, I don't know. I felt like I would have been more emotionally connected to what was happening in this episode if we had gotten, I don't know what I needed. Like, I don't want to like Xander's dad because I know that his dad is not a good person and Xander doesn't really want to have anything to do with him, but he was just so awful that you can't even believe that there's anything that there was anything in him that his mom saw in him originally or anything. It was just one note. I don't know. That just bugged me. Um, at one point Xander says nothing now, nothing on earth can stop this wedding. Really Xander? Really? You know better than to say something like that. You know better. <laughs> um, there's a lot of really cute little scenes though, you know, um, you know, you know, between like Xander and Buffy, Buffy's helping Xander like get dressed and stuff. And she's, you know, they're having, you know, typical, oh, wow, my friend has grown up. He's getting married, you know, kind of conversation. That was really sweet. I liked it. I, you know, and it, Later in the episode, when Spike and Buffy are having a conversation at the wedding, Spike says to Buffy that it's nice to see her happy. And this whole episode, I was thinking that Buffy seems like herself again in this episode for, and it's, it's also kind of, it might be fun for Sarah Michelle Geller because she wasn't like, she wasn't in every single second of this episode. She didn't have to be as she probably got some days off during the shooting of this episode that she doesn't normally get, you know? Um, so maybe she just looked well rested and happy just in general. 
as well. But it was really nice. It was really nice to see Buffy happy in this episode. She looks like she's okay. She's not in a bunch of pain because she broke up with Spike. She's getting back to herself again for the first time in this entire fucking season. She looks better than she's looked this entire time. And it's nice. It really is. Um, Tara and Willow are helping Anya button up her dress. It's one of those typical wedding dresses that has 47,000 little tiny buttons on the back. <laughs> I remember those dresses, man. Um, and Tara and Willow are like all giggly and flirty helping Anya with her dress and it's sweet. But here's the thing. There really isn't an MVP of this episode, but the anti-MVP, I'm going to give to Willow because throughout this episode, she was supposed to be the best man. She should have spent all of her time with Xander, emotionally supporting Xander. And if she had, instead of being distracted by Tara, and I get it, this is an opportunity for them to flirt, but they could have saved that for the reception. You know, there was, I'm mad at Willow because she should have, if she was paying attention to Xander, she would have known what was up. At one point during the episode, she says whenever Xander's missing and she figures it out, she says she's going to look for Xander and she's going to find him. And then later we see her like helping Tara whenever everybody's fighting and she just, she did, we never see any evidence that she went to look for Xander. She just said she was going to. And then later you see her with Tara. She never went out of the building to my knowledge, which might've just been like poor planning on like whoever wrote and directed the episode or whatever, just whatever <laughs> that might've just been a poor planning on the behind the scenes shit. But I just think that sucked that, you know, she didn't really relentlessly look for Xander and she wasn't there for him. She should have known what was going on with him. She should have recognized that he was in a state, but we have a cute little moment between Willow and Xander before he takes off. But, um, Willow is not really paying attention to him enough to realize, like, if she's really his best friend she should realize that he's not okay in that moment. And she doesn't. She's too distracted by, you know, her own shit. And it really sucks. It really sucks because this whole thing could have been prevented or not prevented. Like, cause they needed to have this conversation. They needed to probably not, they needed to postpone the wedding or I don't know. I don't know what the alternative would be, but a serious talk needed to happen between Anya and Xander and it hadn't happened yet. So anyway, Willow is the anti MVP. That's the point. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a couple of like cute little jokes in this episode, cute little moments, one-on-one -on -one characters. That's nice. Um, there's this moment where I had to look up a word. So Anya's like throughout the episode, she's kind of like when she's getting ready, she's like rehearsing her vows and shit like that. And Anya at one point 
is doing rehearsing her vows and she says to love and not to obey because that's anachronistic and misogynistic and i was like i know i've heard the word anachronistic a million times in my life but do i really know what it means it's one of those words where you think you know what it means but you don't really know what it means because you can't actually explain what it means so i looked it up and this is the uh definition of anachronistic belonging or appropriate to a period other than that in which it exists so that makes sense because 20 years ago, 2002, when this episode came out, it was still pretty common for to love and obey being part of vows in a wedding. I don't think that's common at all anymore. And I mean, even back then it was, it was phasing out, but it was still something that people would say without even thinking twice about it, you know, kind of how like women take their person's if it's a man person take their last name without even thinking about it still i mean i think it's more of a thought now that like people don't necessarily automatically assume that a person's going to take another person's last name but i don't think that's it's still kind of a thing that people don't necessarily think about before at, at all times and that's kind of how to love and obey was as like wording and vows back in the day, just in case you're a young person and you can't even believe that that was ever said. Yeah, it was still pretty routinely being said 20 years ago. So that might not, that might sound like forever to you, but to grizzled olds like me, <laughs> I'm going to be 40 this year, guys. <laughs> anyway, um, Anya is calling Xander her best friend, which is, I used to think that was sweet whenever she was like, She's like, oh, guys, I get to, Xander's my best friend. I get to marry my best friend today. I get to be with my best friend forever. I mean, that's a really cute thing to say. And it's not against anything against Emma Caulfield's performance here or anything like that. It's just, I, I don't know. I just see through it now. It's like, yeah, well, you guys aren't right for each other. So it's really sad that he's your best friend because he kind of treats you like shit. So I didn't even like that didn't even give me like the little oh like emotional moment that that normally would have given me every other time I've seen it whenever she says that I'm just like oh god and he's about to leave her oh my god but I didn't think that this time because I was like that's really sad that he's your best friend you need a new best friend you need a new best friend Anya okay get on that um, Uncle Rory being, like, super fucking creepy to the caterer. He, like, has monopolized one of the caterers and, like, put his arm around her and, like, is taking her around, calling him his girlfriend. And, like, he's not being, like, really, really gross, but he's being pretty gross. And she's just tolerating it and Dawn witnesses it and doesn't try to help her. And that's a thing that like, there are some moments of just like internalized misogyny that you see between women in a couple different instances in this episode that I would say are pretty accurate to the way that things were back in the day. Like this moment where Dawn does not help this woman out, <laughs> does not help her does not defend her and help her get away from this fucking asshole 
is I feel like now women have a little bit more solidarity with each other and help each other out in these situations. Whereas it wasn't necessarily something that you could expect. You didn't necessarily trust other women to be on your side 20 years ago. I'm just saying. So if you, you know, are one of those young people that I was talking to a second ago and you think, why isn't Dawn helping this chick? She's obviously this guy has her cornered and like, yeah, it would have not necessarily been out of the question that she didn't help her back then, which sucks, but that's true. Um, De Hoffren brings like a gift that has like some kind of live squiggly creature in it. I don't know. Whatever. Stupid joke. Um, Helfrich is there with De Hoffren and she like pulls Dawn aside and asks her if she's been wishing anything lately. <laughs> like really, really Helfrich. Um, Spike brought a date. Okay. Here's the other moment where, um, wherein we see some just like gross internalized misogyny happening. Like at one point, again, Dawn, she is telling Buffy about Spike's date and she calls her a skank, a skank, manic, panic freak. So this, this is something also that I find to be accurate of the time would be anachronistic now. Haha, <laughs> see, I learned a new word today, guys. Um, but that one was particularly hurtful to me just because I was a goth child. I graduated in 2001 and I was constantly getting called skank and freak. Freak was the big one. Skank usually happened behind my back, but freak was something that people called me to my face. That's the thing that was yelled out of car door, out of car windows when people were driving by me on the street. You know what I mean? And I did not look entirely dissimilar to this chick. Um, so I found that hurtful. And the fact that Spike obviously doesn't have any respect for this person also like we're supposed to think that's endearing because he loves Buffy. Of course he doesn't really respect this chick, but Again, times were different back then. Women are supposed to be respected now, just as a general rule, I feel. I feel that things have gotten a bit better since 2002. Um, oh yeah, my next note is just Clem, because, you know, I love Clem. Anytime we get to see Clem, I'm happy. This guy must have been really fun to work with, because they keep bringing him back. Um... I didn't like that Buffy laughed at Xander's crude joke. Like she's helping him get dressed and stuff and they're having a cute little conversation. And at one point, um, I don't know. Xander makes some kind of joke. Like I still got 15 to 20 minutes, you know, like something about like some crude joke about how like Buffy could have sex with him in that moment. I don't know. And she just laughs. I don't know. Whatever stupid. Um, the old guy pulled, this is when the old guy pulls Xander aside when Xander is dressed and he goes out and he's like mingling with people before the ceremony starts or whatever, because, you know, of course he's dressed first because, you know, Anya's got to take way more time to be pretty, blah, blah, blah. That hasn't changed. Um, Xander's tux, tux looks kind of awful on him. It's like, 
not fitted very well at all. So they obviously, the wardrobe people just did not give a shit. They were like, we'll make Anya look really pretty. We'll make the bridesmaid dresses ugly as a joke. But also Xander, we don't care. Just put him in a suit. Doesn't matter if it fits. Who cares? Um, the old guy who's pretending to be the older version of Xander, he says after, after all the visions, so Xander is, he has to see like his future with Anya, which is his nightmare version of their future in which he's awful to her. They have kids together. The kids might not necessarily be his she's cheated on him she he's treated her like shit we get to see her getting older but he's the same the whole time i don't know whatever um and the old guy says to xander sometimes two people all they bring each other is pain and then that's the last thing that is said until we segue into a conversation between spike and buffy and the first time we were watching this michael's like Gee, I wonder why they cut to them right after he said that. <laughs> I was like, yep, you're totally right. Um, the conversation between Spike and Buffy is kind of sweet. Like, every one-on-one -on -one conversation in this episode is kind of sweet, with the exception of, like, Xander breaking Anya's heart. But still, he's being kind and sweet to her in that moment. You know, he hates that he's breaking her heart, but he doesn't... Anyway, we'll get there. Um... I noticed that, like, the makeup people are doing Spike up the way that they used to. It's it's Spike's sympathetic makeup. James Marster's sympathetic makeup. Because they do this thing where they're making him likable. And he was like this before Buffy first started having sex with him. And he's right back to this now that she has broken up with him. That's interesting. You know those guys that are only nice to you when you're not together? Yeah. Anyway, but they do this thing where I don't know if they use like Vaseline or just some sort of highlight. They put some kind of highlight under his eyes. And then he kind of hangs his forehead forward and kind of looks at her in this sort of like genuinely listening to her kind of head tilt he's doing this head tilt that like makes you love him again and i haven't felt love for spike in a very long time but anyway spike and buffy have this like respectful honest open conversation where spike is respecting her boundaries he tells her that he's happy, that he likes seeing her happy. He genuinely is enjoying the fact that she seems happy. He's not being petty. Um, I mean, I guess him bringing this girl that he doesn't care about to the wedding is his attempt to make Buffy jealous. So that's a petty thing. But other than that, he's being sweet and they have like an honest conversation and he's respecting her boundaries. And this is nice. Um, we again get a moment where Anya's rehearsing her vows. And at one point she says, I promise to have sex with you whenever I want, <laughs> which is cute. Um, 
Buffy, whatever. Okay, so Xander's taken off at this point. Willow has vowed that she will find him, but she doesn't even fucking try. Buffy tries to explain to Anya that there's like a delay without telling her that Xander is missing. Um, and she's a really bad liar. Um, Anya goes through the whole, her whole vows and it's supposed to be really heartbreaking and usually it is, but I'm feeling nothing right now for some reason. (laughs) I don't know. Um, am I jaded? What's happening? Have I reached some sort of point where the emotions of Buffy the Vampire Slayer no longer affect me? Has my brain decided to protect me from the future episodes that we will have to, like, if I don't cry again during the season... Something is wrong with me, and I will need to seek psychiatric help. Because I know how emotional I get usually with the episodes at the end of the season. Anyway, um, at one point we get like a shot of like everybody's kind of getting restless because they're waiting for the wedding to start, and they're all in their seats, and it hasn't started yet. And there's this kid that at one point she says to um one of xander's aunts i would assume that's who this is i think he calls her aunt something at some point but i don't remember what her name is and she actually was a really fun actress in this episode she seemed like a fun person and she is a full-figured actress and in 2002 there were no jokes about how fat she was that is actually progressive for 2002. It was really nice to see this particular actress just kind of existing as a person in an episode of television without the fact that she is fat being brought up every two seconds and her being made fun of. That was really cool and I enjoyed that. Just saying. Um... Oh, there's a child. Okay, so there's a child who says, I'm bored. And then the aunt chick says, it's a wedding, honey. We're all bored. (laughs) Which I liked. Um, Dawn is sort of having, like, a little possible flirtatious moment with one of the demon teenage boys on Anya's side of the aisle or whatever. And then she blurts out, just as Anya's walking by, that Xander is missing. So now everybody, because there's all this tension between Anya's demon friends and Xander's monster family, um, and since they're all waiting and there's an open bar and Xander's dad is just getting increasingly more and more drunk and more and more abusive and awful, even though he started that way anyway, um, there's an interesting, like... I don't know if this was a conscious choice on the part of the costume designer, but everybody's like wedding outfits, for the most part, they felt really dated. Like the style of like the clothing that everyone was wearing, both like Xander's family and the demons, they, it felt like this it was like a wedding from 1989 or something. It was very strange. It's like, why is everyone dressed as if it's like 12 years earlier right now? Like, what's the deal with that? I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird. Um, there was a lot of like kind of fluffy satin and velvet dresses and stuff. Um, I mean, some of the dresses were more like late 90s style, but I mean, it was just, 
is interesting. Like, did they tell the extras to just bring something that they had in their closet? <laughs> like, what's the deal? What, why, why were these choices made? I don't understand. But whatever. Um, I mean, it's kind of believable that, like, you know, in 2002, people would be wearing dresses they've had in their closet for a formal occasion for a decade. That's believable. But it just felt strange for a choice in a TV show. Anyway, um, this is the point where, like, everybody's fighting. Willow's kind of caught up in it, and she seems like she's in danger for a second. Willow... Maybe, like, we were supposed to see Willow, like, frantically looking around and then getting ready to leave to go find Xander. And then she gets distracted by by Tara being in peril and she helps her out of the crowd. I mean, I guess maybe that's what was supposed to be happening. But what it looked like to me was, why the fuck is Ani even there? Or, or why the fuck is Willow even there? She should be looking for Xander right now. Why the fuck is she there? Anyway, that's just my anti-MVP, Willow. Okay, so the Anya goes and finds this demon guy that is disguised as an older version of Xander. She talks to him. He lays it all out there that she, you know, cursed him to be a demon in a hell dimension for all eternity. And he specifically came here on this day to fuck up her life. And so she's like, okay, well, what did you do? And he tells her that he showed Xander a nightmare version of their future, which is not real. And Anya goes, that's it. That's all you did. And you know, the, the demon points out, yeah, that's how easy it was. And he's not wrong. That's how easy it was because Xander needed to leave her anyway, or he needed to at least discuss the fact that he wasn't ready to get married with her, but he didn't. He could have just not asked her and they could just still be dating. You know, they've only been dating for like two years. Anyway, um, Xander comes back. So at least he doesn't just disappear and not say anything. Um, he comes back and what he says to Anya is just very open and honest. You know, he says, I'm not ready. I've had these thoughts and fears. She keeps saying, but what he showed you wasn't real. It wasn't real. And he says, yeah, I know, but, but it could be, you know, and you see him kind of like glancing over at his dad, who is like openly abusing his wife in front of everyone, you know, like. I just feel like people would be coming to her aid and they're not. It's, I don't know. Anyway, but whatever. But what he says to her is, you know, he's being honest. Fucking finally. He's being honest. And this needs to happen. And he's kind about it. I mean, insofar as like waiting till now to fucking do this is a total dick move, which tracks for Xander. We know this about him, that he's a dick. We know this already, but he, you know, he just says, I'm so sorry, but I'm not ready. I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, he doesn't say it outright, but what he means is I can't become my father. And he leaves and 
Um, we get like this scene where Willow and Buffy and Dawn are sitting at home drinking tea, just like dumbfounded at everything, which makes sense. And they're like, I hate, you know, they're all saying how much, how bad they feel for Anya and Willow's like, I feel like I should be hating Xander, but I can't, which is honest. This was a, an honest conversation, you know? Um, and then we cut to Xander who is like staying in a hotel for the night or something, which also tracks, you know, this is a big deal. He needs to take off for a few days or something, you know, it makes sense. Um, and then we cut to the very last scene is Anya. She's still in her wedding dress. She's crying to Hoffman is with her. And he says to her, you let him domesticate you. You, when you were a vengeance demon, you were powerful. You crushed men like him. It's time to get back to what you do best. And that's it. That's where the episode goes to black. So you don't know what her reaction to the, to that question is, but later we do find out. I don't know. I think it takes us a minute, like maybe an episode or two before we find out for sure that she did say yes. And she's a vengeance demon again. But, um, yeah. So like overall, I just, my thoughts at the end of this episode are, well, okay, finally we ripped the bandaid off from that situation and we can move on. The next episode called normal again is going to be tough. I think, um, anyway, I'll save my thoughts on that until next week. Let's get to ratings of the episode object of the episode. I could not think of anything. So this one's kind of a cheat, but I would like the offer from DeHoffrin to become a vengeance demon. <laughs> I just decided that's what I want to be when I grow up is a vengeance demon. Um, outfit of the episode, I'm giving it to the bridesmaid dresses. I mean, with just like a little tailoring at the waist, if you had the version with Buffy sleeves, it could be an okay dress. I'd wear it. Why not? You really just have to pick the right accessories. A nice deep purple, like for the flower in the hair, for the earrings, for like, you know, some hosiery or some nice dark purple gloves to go with that emerald green. You could really rock that shit. You know, some ivy in the hair. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, MVP of the episode, like I said, we, I mean... Originally, I wrote Xander just because at least he said it now instead of never, even though he's a total dick bag for waiting until now, but at least he was honest. Um, but the anti-MVP, I'll say it again, is Willow because she wasn't fucking paying attention to her best friend. She wasn't gauging the emotional reality of her best friend in the world who was getting married on that day. She just took five minutes with him in the kitchen to give him a hug and tell him that she loved him, but he was already fucking shook at that point. And she didn't even notice. Shame on you, Willow. Um, I, I don't, there wasn't really like, this wasn't a quotable episode, but I will say maybe the quote of the episode is, Whenever the not Xander older guy says sometimes two people, all they bring each other is pain. I mean, I think it was probably the most memorable quote of the episode for me. Five by five. I'm going to give this a two and a half out of five. 
we really did have some good, you know, human connection moments between Buffy and Spike, Buffy and Xander, Willow and Xander, um, even Anya and Xander, because the breakup was, I think he said what he needed to say and he wasn't hurtful and she accepted it, even though it was very, very hurtful. She still accepted it. Even like the little conversation between Don, Willow, and Buffy while they were drinking tea, trying to process the situation afterwards. It was a very honest, like anytime there was a small group of characters that we know and love together in this episode, it they were making real honest connections with each other. There was no fucking games or people yelling at each other or anything. It was just good. There was love. There was honesty. It was nice to see. Um, there was love, honesty, and respect in all of the smaller group conversations between the core, um, Buffy people. So that's really the only thing I liked about this episode. Um, yeah. So two and a half out of five. Stay tuned next week where we will do the episode, the one where, Buffy may or may not be in a mental health facility and be hallucinating her entire reality that we've seen for the last six years. I will be very angry when I'm here talking about that episode next week. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye!